run out of bounds or yep. run it out the back of the end zone. I mean, yep. wow, just a big, big mistake. Uh, you just got to be able to, you got to take advantage of it when they do that kind of stuff. 10 seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh my God! Thirty. No Touchdown! Are you kidding me? Finish. It's a Minneapolis no miracle. Way. Stephon Diggs and the Minnesota oh, Vikings God. have walked up on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle. I can't believe what I just saw, Paul. What an unbelievable play. Fans at U.S. Bank Stadium are embracing each other. They're trying to climb into the box box to hug us all. Nobody can find Stephon Diggs. He ran into the tunnel. Unbelievable, Paul. Are you kidding me? They run the deep ball route. Stephon Diggs goes up, and Marcus Williams, the rookie, tries to jump over the back of him to break up the throw. The ball is caught, and Diggs is able to take it into the end zone. Look at the Vikings so coaches. This is just right an absolute yeah. yes. mistake. Yes! yes. Are you kidding me? Look at these Vikings coaches. Yes. Let's oh. go to Philadelphia. Paul, when it's your year, it's your year. That's all I got to say. Let's Stephon go to Diggs, Philadelphia. What an unbelievable play. It's going to be 48 and Grizzly. And we're bringing a purple rain. Welcome to the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, I, I can only say it's a, in a state of euphoria as uh, that, that call was courtesy of uh, K-Fan and uh, Paul Allen. Uh, I hope he's okay that we use that for this podcast because there seems like no better way to introduce this week's podcast, Mr. Travis Krenz, uh, than, than that. It just, oh my God, what an unbelievable finish to not only the Vikings game, but the NFL Divisional playoff round in general. Uh, I, I'm still at a loss of words. I'm still speechless as to as to what to think. Uh, oh my God. That's all I can say. Oh my God. Very exciting, very unexpected. The uh, biggest win they've ever had, best play they've ever had. So it was, yeah, the best thing they've ever done because they've never won a Super Bowl, and and this is the the biggest the biggest thing they've ever done as a team. Yeah, in almost six years. I have I have a few thoughts on this, and and I'll get to it here. You know what? I'm just gonna start. There's so much that we can get into with this game. We could do like seven hours. I feel like just on this game alone, uh, it's it it's that remarkable. But I mean, look, I yeah, I I mean it. It's a, it's the Minneapolis miracle. It was dubbed by uh, Paul Allen that, and and rightfully so. Uh, I mean, this, it, it's just unbelievable what happened. Uh, and I'll, I'll just say it right now. Uh, Marcus Williams, the safety, the rookie safety for the New Orleans Saints, you feel for him. Uh, I mean, he completely whiffed on the tackle. A lot of people today, you know, on on this Monday and, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, everyone leading up in, you know, this week, not a lot of credit outside of the state of Minnesota or, you know, the, the Midwest is giving Stephon Diggs and Case Keenum a lot of credit. They're blaming Marcus Williams for whiffing on a tackle, and he does. 
But Keenum puts the ball right where Diggs needed to get it, and Diggs turns around and makes the play. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. So I will give it. I'll give it as high as 40, 60, probably, you know, Diggs, Keenum, the 40, Marcus Williams, failure, the 60. But I can't help but feel, Travis, uh, there are so many parallels, I think, that Marcus Williams and Blair Walsh, uh, just on opposite ends. Uh, So let me explain. Marcus Williams gets an interception in the third quarter that helps lead the Saints, you know, to another touchdown. They're only trailing 17-14. He's playing really well to that point. And then he makes the biggest blunder that cost them the game. Blair Walsh in the 2015 wild, or I guess 2016 wild card game against Seattle, he's the sole reason why the Vikings were in this game. He made three field goals, but he misses a 27-yard field goal. A 27-yard field goal versus a tackle at the end of the game, I see a lot of similarities between those two players. Am I, am I overstretching this at all? Yeah, well, they both made good plays during the game. They they missed the most important play at the end. Even if he if he uh, tackles them, hopefully he can get out of bounds and then kick a field goal and win. So, I mean, all you gotta do there is just stay back, stay back, and tackle the guy in bounds. You don't have to. I mean, it was just not 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 a very well played down on his part. I, no I, reason to to be that close. Um, you can see the ball's overthrown, so he's going to have to catch it. So he is very vulnerable to a hit. He has really no control over his body when he's up in the air. So just uh, wait for him to catch it and uh, hit him out of bounds and game's over. So that's yeah, not not good. Not good on his part. I, I can't even begin to describe how loud it was in there. And I'm not, I wasn't even there, but... I mean, I and I apologize to everyone who's been following me on Twitter. I've been liking and retweeting like anything Viking related, you know, that I can find about all these calls. I mean, the Vikings Twitter account is going absolutely crazy here. Uh, but I mean, there's one video of the guy going down the side. I must must work for the Vikings. But the sound that you hear after Diggs gets in the end zone is it's deafening. It is the loudest roar ever. I mean, this could rival Beastquake in Seattle back from a few years ago when uh, when Marshawn Lynch went on that huge run uh, for Seattle against who happens to be the New Orleans Saints in that wild card game. Sound like a plane taking off. Oh, I I think this was louder than that. Maybe. <laughs> it was very loud. Um, when he caught, you know, caught the pass, everybody wanted him to go out of bounds, but then. Uh, or there's nobody there. So once he got to about the 20-yard line, he's like, fuck, he's, he's going to score? And uh, everybody else jumped. I dropped down. So. Um, here, here we go. I got uh, Well, hold on a second here. We got the Joe Buck play now. This is uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman here from uh, the, the last play of the game. Where Keenum's going to try to work the ball in the boundary. <laughs> steps into it. Passes. Seven words, really four, that's all that matters. Diggs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable. 
Vikings win it. I I, I cannot just uh, seven beautiful words right there by Joe Buck. Never have I been a bigger Joe Buck fan than yesterday. Making that call. And you know what? It was quite nauseating talking about the Saints and all oh, the 17 point comeback. It's never happened before to the Saints. It look, they played such a great game. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Uh, now, I mean, you know what? The Saints did play absolutely phenomenal. You know, great football in the second half. The Vikings certainly did what they had to do to, uh, you know, kind of piss it down their legs and give the Saints all these chances. I certainly think the injury to Sendejo cost them, uh, hurt them a lot. Then Xavier Rhodes got nicked up a little bit. Uh, Shamar Steffen, defensive tackle, I think that that hurt a little bit. So injuries aside, the Vikings defense did not play well in the second half. Kai Forbath missed field goal at the end of the first half. I said it at the time. I said that's going to come back to haunt them, and it almost did. But, um... I, I, I get. I, I'm sorry. There's just no. I'm all over the place with this game here. But so I'm going to ask this now because I thought of the Blair Walsh thing. Where does this rank for you in terms of Minnesota sports history? And it can be either from when we've been alive, or you know, just I guess dating back to you know when the Vikings first came in, 1961. It, it can be before our time. I think Minneapolis Lakers winning the 54 finals is pretty big. Okay, I can go with that. I, I can't go with that, so that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> I know. Twins, I mean, the Twins, Twins World Series are top two. I would, uh, I would put this at number three. I mean, Timberwolves have never done anything. The Lynx, uh, Lynx are uh, women's basketball. Uh, yep. The Wild haven't done anything. So yep. this would be a number three. Number I, three on the list, find two World Series ones. I, I will put this at number two, and hear me out here. I, I, I'm not looking at the championships necessarily. I'm looking at the single biggest plays um, that that sort of make everything. And the only one I can put ahead of this is Kirby Puckett's home run in Game 6 of the 91 World Series to force a Game 7, which uh, I believe it was Jack Buck, Joe's father, that said, We'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, and I, it just happens to be that this catch, you know, Keenum to Diggs, this touchdown, I think is the second most memorable or second biggest play in Minnesota sports history. And Jackson Joe is calling the, the one for the Vikings. I, I, that's just my perception, I guess, of it. That that's my opinion, but I, I, I think it's just a cool, cool coincidence that, that that happened, you know, father-son duo called two of the biggest, or the two biggest plays, potentially, in Minnesota sports history. I would say it's the best call of Joe Buck's career. Yep. And uh, I would still put the play third behind the Kirby fucking home run. Then uh, Gene Larkin had the game-winning hit in Game 7 the very next night. So okay. those would be the two, uh, two biggest plays for Minnesota sports, one to get to Game 7. And one win to, to win a game seven. How many? How many people do you think remember that game seven hit? Everybody. Okay. Okay. That's the, the twin seven. That's just something you know the Kirby bucket. Everybody knows that. Yep. And uh, and then the call the next night. I mean Dan Gladden running jumping into the thing. Uh, Jack Buck says Twins are Twins are going to win the World Series. Yep. It's yeah. It just. 
un unbelievable. Like, there's no other way around it. The, it as in, this was in a, as improbable of a win that you could possibly have. Now the Vikings they dominated early. I think you know I was talking to my dad and I was talking to other people throughout the week and I was nervous as hell for this game. And I think I, t- I told you that last week on the podcast. I said this game I am incredibly nervous about just because of what the Saints can do. And it was important that the Vikings jump in off to a great start. What do they do? They force a, uh, a punt from the Saints right away, and then they go down the field and score a touchdown. And then they force another punt. or Yeah, I think it was a punt. And they go get a field goal, though it would have been nice to get a touchdown. I think they should have ran it. I thought the play calling there in the, the red zone there, in the, you know, the goal-to-goal, was a little questionable on that second series. But then they get an interception from Sendejo, and Latavius Murray runs it in, and it's 17-0. By the way, the, the game of freeze take, the, I like, you know, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia have had great um, great celebrations this year. I would put, you know, Pittsburgh with, you know, the hide-and-go-seek and everything like that. But the Vikings have nailed it with this celebrations. I mean, they've they've hit home runs. Yeah, Philadelphia did that literally. Uh, for one of their celebrations, but between Freeze Tag and Leapfrog and Duck Duck Gray Duck, or Duck Duck Gooses, everyone else in the country calls it outside of Minnesota, uh, to the Thanksgiving dinner that they had, just, they've absolutely nailed their celebrations this year. Yeah, it was pretty good, too, what they got, uh, got going for this week. They're pretty creative with those. But 17 nothing. then, you know, the Saints start driving, uh, and then a tipped pass, it, ball lands right in Anthony Barr's hands. So the the Vikings avoid a potential you know field goal or touchdown from the Saints. And then the Saints are driving again, and they the, Will Lutz misses a 58 yard field goal. I think the, there was a sack involved there that pushed the Saints back, so that was huge. But then Kai Forbath missed a field goal, and you're thinking, okay, not not the end of the world. It's 17 nothing in the first half. And then the Vikings come right out in the second half, and I absolutely love what they did. A, a drive that took over seven and a half minutes. Would have loved to get a field goal there, but Case Keenum takes a sack on third down that pushes him out of field goal range, and then the punt goes in the end zone. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it would have been nice to pin them back. And then Drew Brees goes to work. He was an absolute magician in the second half. He carved up the Vikings, and Case Keenum throws a bad pass. And just like that in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, Alvin Kamara runs by Eric Hendricks, which annoys the hell out of me. Why they keep, why they kept throwing linebackers on Kamara uh, astounds me. I, I mean, I love Barr and Kendricks, but for God's sakes, throw a, throw a cornerback on him or a, or a safety, something. Kamara's way too fast for, for linebackers, even as ones as good as the Vikings. And all of a sudden you look, it's 21-20, and I Everyone's just like, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah, I thought uh, coverage on tomorrow was good. It was, it was just a perfect, yeah. perfect pass. There's not, I mean, there's nothing anybody could have done for that one. Perfect pass, good catch. Oh, yeah, defense did not play well in the second half. They left points on the board in the uh, first half. I uh, missed the field goal, and you, uh, you don't score touchdowns. You do fake passes to Floyd and, and Rudolph and fake passes. I think it is a very low percentage. Low percentage passes. They're just jump balls, and I don't like them. The poor, poor play calling down there. 
felt like it probably should have been 24, 27, 30 nothing at, at some point. Then once they get uh, once they get to 17, 14, I mean that. You know, I was just waiting for uh, the quarterback to do something dumb, and he did with yep. that interception. Yep. Terrible pass. I mean, don't don't do that. It, there are other couple passes out there that you don't need to be throwing. There's one to Diggs by the end zone, middle of the field. Three guys are on him. That's a pass that you don't need to don't need to throw. I thought he'd run maybe a little more than he did, but uh, he played he played okay. And uh, two drives. He led two drives at the end of the game. That was that was impressive. Everybody's talking about the last one, but he led one before that to get a field goal. So yep. He did. Uh, he did good enough to get uh, ten points there in the last. Two minutes. Yep, it was twenty-one twenty Saints, three oh one left, and then as you mentioned, Keenum leads the team down the field. And uh, one thing that I think is pretty big, and it, uh, you know, some people are saying, "Well, why, you know, why do you continue to throw?" I think it was they were at the thirty-five or the thirty-six, and it's third and five, and yep. they said, "Oh, why are you throwing it? Like, why wouldn't you try and throw it to get it into?" So you're you're in closer position for a field goal, and you can waste all the clock and stuff. Then when Forbath makes the field goal, and every you knew every fan, every Vikings fan, was just holding their breath, saying, "Oh my God, you know he's already missed one." We we know the history of kickers for the Vikings in the playoffs, and Forbath absolutely crushed it right down the middle, and everyone's celebrating like, "Yeah, yeah!" I mean, everyone at the stack and household you know, was was screaming. I said. Guys, there's a minute 29 left. The Saints have one timeout. And they only had one timeout because Sean Payton was an absolute dope with his challenges on a, a couple of drives before. Maybe it was the previous Vikings drive. Um, and he's, he claimed, I guess, on Monday that the replay wasn't working in the coach's booth. Well, he, that's, he's crying over sour milk. He can go straight to hell. Uh, because he was doing, you know, mocking the Vikings fans with that school chant right before the end of the, you know, that that final play there. So to hell with you, Sean Payton. But anyway, um, so thank goodness for that. But you have a minute twenty nine left. The Saints have one timeout left, and oh by the way, they only have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Drew Brees. So I I knew it wasn't over, and you're just kind of waiting for the Vikings to. You know, apply some pressure to Breeze, and they just kept rushing four guys, like, and and they kept playing back. Like, why are you playing soft coverage against the Saints? Why are you giving them eight, nine yards at a time? It was very frustrating. There, that final Saints drive. Yeah, very, very short passes. You know, 10, 10 15 yard passes. You're playing off on them. I mean, he was throwing it so quick. I blitzed him once, and then Kendrick hit him, but it still didn't matter. Still got the pass off. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, he's a bitch. I'm glad he lost. Um, he's a piece of shit. So I'm glad he lost. Glad he got to feel the pain of losing a game that they should have won. Uh, yep. What a collapse! What a collapse on both and both ends. Uh, what a collapse on the Saints! My God. Yep. And then They're, I mean, fourth and ten, Breeze hits Willie Sneed, and you're just like, oh my gosh, why couldn't the Vikings just stop him there? But then a, a play that I think will, you know. Paul Allen talked about it on his show on 9 to Noon on Monday. It was the third and one that they stopped. Uh, they stopped Kamara. If they don't stop him there, then the Saints get a first down. They're just going to run the clock down. And, you know, Lutz is going to hit a game-winning field goal with no time remaining. The Vikings don't have any time. But because this happened, the Vikings had 25 seconds left. And, of course, we all know what happened by now. Um, 
Case Keenum, Stephon Diggs, Marcus Williams whiffs on the tackle, and Diggs, not only to have the wherewithal to, you know, to turn around and you know keep his balance, not go out of bounds, and then just say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run out of bounds to stop the clock because there's no one in front of him. If, on TV, you don't know that you're just like. Get out of bounds, get out of bounds, don't try and score a touchdown, but then you realize there's absolutely no one there to stop him. And it's just unbelievable finish to a game. That is the that is the best finish to an NFL playoff game, I think, ever. And arguably, this is the best NFL playoff game of all time. We can go back to the Super Bowl last year. If you want to go back a couple years ago to the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. I'm totally okay with that. So maybe we exclude Super Bowls. But, I mean, this divisional game, not to be prisoner of the moment, this is pretty damn tough to beat. I wasn't a huge fan of the game. And it was a great final five minutes. But I wasn't a huge fan of the game. I don't like those games where one team's good for one half and then the other team's good for the other half. I just don't like those games. Sure. There's no reason. I mean, it's just dumb that... Yeah, we're dominating this half, and then the other team's going to dominate the other half. So, I think, you know, totally Saints-Vikings, the first Saints-Vikings game, well, that's my favorite, probably, game of all time. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think much of the actual game, but the finish was very good, and, it, and it's right up there with anything. When it was first and 10 and the 40, the Vikings should have ran the ball, or like a minute 40 left. Mm-hmm. They should have ran, ran the ball. Either you get it down under a minute, or you have them use one of their timeouts. Yep. And even if even if they do that, maybe the Saints run out the clock and the Vikings don't get it back. But if you got to do something over, you maybe uh, you run the ball to get the clock moving because they had they had all two or three timeouts left. So I mean, clock was not an issue when you're at the forty. You got to get five more yards, and that's what they got: five more yards. They passed it to Rudolph for five yards, and he uh, he ran out of bounds. You like to see him stay in bounds there, but. Uh, yeah, they gave him way, way too much time with the I, I just and I feel for bad for Marcus Williams. The guy had the, the rookie had a great year, four interceptions, was second on the team only behind teammate Marcus Lattimore. And as I said, he, he had a big interception there and he just whiffed and I he he wanted to avoid getting the pass interference penalty and I totally understand that. And he you know, he just whiffed. I mean there's just no other way around it. He absolutely cost the Saints the game, but I mean, it takes two to make that play, and in this case, three, because Keenum has to get that throw. is a perfect throw. It was right to Diggs. Diggs has to make the catch, and then he has to keep his balance and turn up field and, and still score the touchdown. So as much as we want to blame Marcus Williams, Keenum and, um, and Diggs deserve an immense amount of credit for, for that. And the play, seventh heaven. I mean, as if... As if you needed anything else, it, it. I don't know if it's a divine intervention or destiny or whatever you want to call it, but what a play call and the euphoria for Vikings fans. It was, if you see it all over social media, I mean, it, just even in the stadium. I mean, Chris Carter was there and he was absolutely loving it. You see Everson Griffin trying to talk to Josina Anderson after the game and he he's at a loss of words. He's just like, oh my God, I don't know what to. I don't know what to say, and Diggs uh, just, uh, I mean, saying, you know, what was it, like, you know, have fun with that shit or something like that? 
That shit feels good or something. Yeah, that shit feels good and uh damn that shit feels good I think is what uh is what they is what he said there and right after right before that he had said yeah, God helped us and you know thank God and you know, damn this shit feels good. So just unbelievable and then you, you know, Case Keenum's getting interviewed just everyone after that and I I was watching ESPN and Fox afterward and I I saw a video today on you know, on the you know the NFL on Fox and Michael Strahan's going ballistic. Uh, Scott Hansen from the NFL Network, he's absolutely losing his freaking mind. And you then see on NFL primetime, like Ryan Clark on uh, Golik and Wingo on Monday said that NFL primetime on or on Sunday that was the most fun program he said he's ever done since he's been at ESPN for for three or four years. Just because of essentially that one play and just how, just how improbable it was, and the excitement and the buzz around it. I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing. And for once, the Vikings are on the good side of playoff history. And I think that's what makes this win feel all that much more sweet. Uh, it makes it feel so much better. Is it, it's just that the Vikings have had their fair share of collapses, more so than just about any other team. And for them to win this game, it, it felt like a Super Bowl almost. Uh, and there's still a lot of work to do. you got two games left, and hopefully the focus for the Vikings now is has switched completely to Philly. But I, it was just unreal seeing all these videos and just the reaction of everyone in the stadium. Absolutely insane. I don't think they would have called the pass interference late in the game like that. So, I mean, the worst possible thing is what happened. And even if you, you know, pass interference, you still got to make a 52-yard field goal to win it. Yep. Which, maybe, I don't know, 50-50, maybe you would have, maybe you wouldn't have been last, but 49-yard field goal was pretty easy. And it was on the right hash, you missed it on the left hash. So, for future reference, put the ball in the right hash, not the left hash. Yep. Uh, for kicking field goals. I'll well, sure they, right they have to put it where, you know, I know, where the ball's at. Make sure it's on the goddamn right side of the field. Right. If, it's third and if it's third and 15 and we're setting up a field goal, right, go right, not left. Yep. So, for future reference, right, not left. Uh, we got to do just the uh, great, greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I, it's unreal. And then you see the reaction at the XL Energy Center, the you know, thousands of Wild fans are in the concourse watching. And I guess this, you know, the play happened at, as they were playing O Canada because the Vancouver Canucks were in town. And you just hear this roar from the, you know, from the concourse area. And you know, the Wild players know what's going on, but they still have to, you know, be respectful to O Canada. But you, you, their mind wasn't on the on the game last, the hockey game. Sunday night. It was on the Vikings. And then you, you see Target Center and, and that place erupts. I mean, Damian Lillard obviously must be a Saints fan. I don't know how you become a New Orleans yep. Saints fan in, uh, when you go to Weber State out there in Utah. But, I mean, he looked very unimpressed. He looked stunned. So, uh, Damian Lillard, uh, to hell with you. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Screw you, Damian Lillard and Portland Trailblazers. Uh, by the way, they lost... Uh, the Wild lost in overtime. So overall, you know, a 2-0 in one day is uh, is not bad for Minnesota sports. But, I, I mean, it just, it's such a cool scene, and it it just 
it's a ripple effect across America. Like you're looking, people are feeling good for Vikings fans, and you could just feel the excitement throughout, for sure, throughout you know the the region, throughout the state, throughout you know the Midwest. But it just feels like it, it, it keeps coming from all areas of of the country. Like Ellen DeGeneres show said, you know, congratulations Vikings and and all this stuff. I mean, like what? Like why is Ellen DeGeneres doing this stuff here? It's it's mind boggling just how big of an effect this game had. And I guess there was some, you know, the McCarthy, the one of the guys for uh, the, the the PR guy for the NFL says some 46 million people watched it. I saw a report that said 34, so I'm sure the the truth is somewhere in the middle there, but this was a huge moment, and a lot of people watched it, and that's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, somewhere with 35, 40 million people. It was 82% of TVs in Minneapolis that were on was watching the game. I th- Who are the 18%? What the hell are they doing? I don't know. They're not watching the game. Well, I know that, but, like, why? What are you watching, HGTV or, you know, uh, like, what are you, was there a game on CBS that I didn't, you know, a college basketball game that I don't know about? I know, uh, what was it, uh, UMass and St. Joe or something was playing on NBCSN? Are you watching that? I mean, what the hell? Could be. Could be. I mean, just, it's unbelievable. And, I mean, it's like I said, we could go on and on and on about this game. Uh, any final thoughts, I guess? Uh, they better win next week. That's what I got to say. Yep. I, I agree. Um, you know what? I think they're going to lose 20 to 10. Ooh. I don't think it'll be that bad. I, you know what? Back in 09, when Brett Favre came to the Vikings, I said that year that if they made it to the NFC Championship game, I would deem it a successful season and anything else that happened after that would be gravy. Um, this year, I, I've said it for the last few years, I said it immediately once uh, once they were awarded the Super Bowl, I said the Vikings will play in the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, you know, when that happened, or, you know, in three years, so 2018. And... I, for the most part, have stuck by that. You know, I I I hope they beat Philly. I expect them to beat Philly. It'll be disappointing should they lose. But it would have been far worse had they think they lost to the Saints. So as disappointing as it would be if they lose to Philadelphia, I won't feel quite as bad as as I would have had they lost to the Saints. And I know that that seems, you know, asinine and the the reasoning might be a little flawed, but it's just something about winning that game at home. And you're going on the road against, you know, the number one team in in the NFC. It's a road game. So, yes, the Vikings are favored right now, but you can understand, I guess, more if they lose this game. Uh, But... Hopefully that's not the case. They they have something to play for, and it just seems like uh, that, that perhaps it's it's that it's destiny that they play in their uh, home stadium for the Super Bowl. I don't see the offense doing much against the Eagles' defense. Oh, I mean, yeah, if they can score twenty points, they should win. Because I mean, you can't look at 
you can't compare games against uh, different teams. They're all different. But it's reasonable to think, you know, that they struggled to score 15 points against Atlanta. There's yeah. no reason why the Eagles should score more than 10. So if the Vikings can hold them under 20, I like their chances. Yep. Um, again, there's there's no reason that offense should score more than one touchdown. No, and I, I don't think the Vikings are going to have any issue with the, I would hope they won't, with the run-pass option. I mean, their defense is is too strong uh, t- to bite on that. I mean, Nick Foles was getting that going against the Falcons in the second half, but, I mean, they couldn't even get in the end zone in the second half with the run-pass option that he was getting far more comfortable with. Now, I really hope Sendejo is healthy enough to play. He suffered a nasty concussion uh, when Michael Thomas ran into him, it, you know, I, did you think that was a dirty play? Did you think Thomas should have gotten flagged for that? Because initially they did throw the flag. They ended up picking up, and it clearly got under Xavier Rhodeskin, and he was freaking out. And I honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why Thomas was able to score a touchdown right after that is because Rhodes just wasn't in the right mindset. I think it was a uh, clean play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, had, I had nothing wrong with that. So... I just I don't think the Vikings will be susceptible to the RPO, the run pass option. I think they'll be able to control Ajaye and and Blunt. So it's all going to come down to the offensive line. Can you stop? You know, can you at least contain Fletcher Cox and not let him get in the backfield on every play? You know what's Ronald Darby going to do? It, it's going to be on grass, but from what I've seen so far, it's going to be high 40s, low 50s, and maybe. You know, light precipitation, if that, uh, should be a fairly nice day. So that definitely helps the Vikings uh, in this, you know, in this, uh, in this case, I guess. Uh, no pun intended. Hopefully, the field is in good condition. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm, I'm kind of thinking this is boding well for the Vikings. But I would like to see that defense as close to full strength as possible. Again, I think they're going to lose because the offense can't be this inconsistent. No. Uh, other games that we mentioned, Philadelphia beats Atlanta 15-10. to uh, Fairly boring game. I thought Atlanta, the play calling there at first and goal from the nine is just absolutely awful. You know, bad pass to Julio on first down. Uh, I don't know what the hell Matt Ryan was attempting with a, with a little shovel pass on second down and then a seven-yard slant to Julio. And then fourth down... They, they roll everyone out to the right, and you're trying to get it to Julio. He slips, and, you know, the ball still goes through his hands. I, like, why wouldn't you roll everyone out except have one tight end maybe sneak back across the left side, and Matt Ryan will throw it right across the opposite side of the field? I thought that the play calling by Atlanta was very questionable in that game. Uh, Patriots roll over the Titans. There's 35-14. There's really nothing to, to talk about there. But then Sunday, you know, overshadowed by the Minneapolis miracle is the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Blake Bortles put up 45 points on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Technically 38 because there was a defensive touchdown. But my goodness, this is a team that scored 10 points at home against Buffalo the week before. How the hell do we explain this? Buffalo's defense is a lot better than Pittsburgh's defense. Is Ryan Shazier the, the real... Um, I mean, is, is that the reason why Pittsburgh's defense sucks? Is that they don't have him anymore? Yeah, 
doesn't help, and I don't think they were good with him. I mean, they, I mean, their defense—they're they're all offense, not much defense. I mean, they already gave up, they already lost thirty to seven, and had a boatload of turnovers, and uh, they had another two more interceptions and uh, another touchdown, another fumble uh, that they ran back. So they 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 dominated Pittsburgh. And that was a game where it was 45-42, uh, and, and it felt like Jacksonville was probably three touchdowns better. Right. Well, I mean, they, they jumped out 21 to nothing. I mean, Pittsburgh clearly was asleep to begin this game, and they overlooked Jacksonville. They could say whatever they want, but when you have Mike Tomlin, their head coach, saying, hey, we're gonna we're looking forward to, you know, getting back to playing New England again and settling the score, Le'Veon Bell saying, oh, yeah, you know, the, we got New England next week, and he's already talking about I'm not going to play under the franchise tag next year. And I, it just seemed, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was already saying, "Hey, I'm going to not throw five interceptions against uh, Jacksonville this time. I'm looking forward to you know having another game against them." I, the Steelers just weren't in the right mindset early on, and had it not been for two miraculous catches on fourth down. Um, you know the the play to Martavis Bryant at the end of the first half uh, to make it twenty eight to fourteen, and then Antonio Brown catches one in the fourth quarter. But twice the Steelers had it fourth and one, and they don't sneak it with Big Ben either time. What the hell is up with the play calling there for Pittsburgh? You have a, one of the biggest quarterbacks in the NFL and you try and throw a 19-yard pass to Antonio Brown and a pitch to Le'Veon Bell and he got absolutely eaten alive. Uh, what the hell are they doing? The Todd Haley, that's poor choice. Again, two fourth and inches. One was a pitch left right and that was terrible. And he had seven yards after he pitched it back. It's, it's dumb. It's dumb. I mean, just sneak it. Sneak it. It's, it's not tough. If they sneak it, they probably win the game. That's it. Yeah, and the two touchdowns came on fourth and long plays, which they throw the ball 50 yards down the field. Makes it uh, just ridiculous. But, I mean, Jacksonville's defense guy has to get a whole lot better. They want to yep. beat to New England. Yep. Uh, however, I believe Leonard Fournette either tied Le'Veon Bell for the, you know, in terms of the touchdown scored at Heinz Field this year, or he beat. Le'Veon Bell, at least through the ground. Uh, Fournette, five touchdowns at Heinz Field this year. I believe Bell did have two scores in this game, so he has a total of five now this year at Heinz Field. Uh, Leonard Fournette, over 100 yards, three touchdowns. He's a special uh, running back. Did get injured in this one. And then you have to. we have to give some credit to Bortles, who a, a week after... You know, throwing you know throwing for fewer yards than he rushed for. It, it wasn't spectacular, but he made the throws when he needed to. You know, Keelan Cole that big long catch, and you know before you know the pass before that it was to Marquise Lee, and the, the opening drive it was play action, and he was three of four for fifty three yards. I, I was, I I'm surprised to say this, but I was very impressed by Blake Bortles for the most part. Uh, first drive was good. Uh, the next, I don't know, until the fourth quarter was awful. Uh, yeah, he had basically the same numbers until the fourth quarter. Then he had the long throw, touched on to the pullback, which somebody forgot to cover. Yep. So he played, I mean, he played fine. I mean, 14-26 for 214. A touchdown and an interception. I, I, That's I, what it is. I, 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 would you, I, would, 
I would give that a C. That's fair. Compared to last week, though, I mean, a C, you know, an F to a C or an F minus to a C. I mean, that's a, that's a huge jump. And I think it was it's the timeliness of the throws. As, as I mentioned, it was the one drive where he hit Marquise Lee and Keelan Cole for first downs. He, 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 he got it to TJ Yeldon on a couple of nice passes to keep moving the chains. And, and he even ran it a few times. So Bortles played pretty well uh, overall. And, you know, the game was closer, or the final score is closer than this game really was because, you know, the Steelers... After getting a, a touchdown to make it 42-35, they have a couple timeouts. They have the two-minute warning. I think it was 218 to go. They attempt one of the worst onside kicks, I think, in the history of the game. Uh, goes six yards and hits a Steelers player. It just it was awful. They had no chance of it happening. So uh, congratulations to the Jaguars because now this sets up a rematch of the 1997 AFC Championship game in which the New England Patriots, led by, I believe, Drew Bledsoe, took down Mark Brunel and the Jaguars 20-6. Of note, Tom Coughlin was the head coach for the Jaguars at the time. He is now, you know, the executive vice president of football operations or something like that. He's in the Jaguars' front office. Uh, Bill Belichick was not there for the Patriots in 97. That would be the the tuna, uh, Bill Parcells. So, interesting note there. It's a rematch. Uh, that was, I'm sure, your first thought when Jacksonville won. It was, yeah, because they played Buffalo in the first round, which I believe they did in 96. They went to Denver. Yep. It was a big upset. They went to, they went to New England. So, they played two of the same three teams they played the first time. They, they made the playoffs 21 years ago. Uh, I hope they win. I don't think it's going to be uh, particularly close. If the defense plays like that, that's not good. I don't see uh, Jacksonville scoring a whole hell of a lot of points against that defense. So I think it's going to be similar to what the uh, game was on Saturday. Okay, so the like you're thinking a 35-14 win. So let's handicap the Jaguars' chances here. You don't think they're very good, but I... I well, I think, they, they, yeah, their defense is good. They just can play well. If their defense plays like they played all year, then yeah, they should. They'll probably win. But if they, play, I mean, if they, again, New England's defense is a lot. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense is not good. One of the worst in the NFL. Uh, New England's pretty bad in the first month, and they're they're probably the best defense since they were awful. I mean, yeah, if, if they can, uh, I don't see them winning the way that they can. If they're going to win, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't see them winning in the 30s. Nobody, nobody wins in shootouts against New England. I'm going to save the the analysis for a potentially later game, um, you know, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. Uh, between the Jaguars and the Patriots and whoever comes out of the NFC for later time. Don't want to jinx anything here with our favorite NFL well, team. but uh, Vikings would be a six-point favorite against Jacksonville. New England would be a six, seven-point favorite against the Eagles. Uh, Jacksonville would be a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite over the Eagles. And the Vikings-Patriots would be a pick Pick them, okay. That, that's that's interesting, and it's nice to know that if the Vikings, when when the Vikings, we're not gonna say if when the Vikings 
beat the Eagles and are you know going to you know making their first trip to the Super Bowl since the 70s it's going to be nice to know that they actually get to be in their home in the home locker room and they get to practice at home the NFL cuz the AFC is apparently the home team for the Super Bowl this year uh, so the Vikings are going to wear their white jerseys? Uh, apparently that's what will they will have to do, but they will at least be able to stay in their own locker room. So that's nice. That is nice. Uh, or maybe, how about this? Whatever team has the best record is the fucking home team. How about that? Well, I mean, that would be perhaps a wise move by the NFL. However, the Patriots and the Vikings are both 13-3, and and the Eagles and the Figure Patriots would the- be 13-3. and Figure out a tiebreaker some way. Back in the day, common like, opponent. Uh, common opponent, sure. Back in the day, uh, like in the early early Super Bowl years, they would alternate the conference title games. Uh, they would alternate. Yeah. Between divisions, you didn't have. Did the Vikings one year play Dallas, and the Vikings had a better record, but the game was at Dallas. This I mean, home team has a better record. That's just. And baseball fucked up for many years, going yeah. back and forth. Now they finally finally got it right. It's it's not it's not difficult to do. So you, for the record, are having an Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. So another rematch yeah. of the one down from. Ironically, Eagles Patriots played a Super Bowl in Jacksonville for the yeah. uh, for the Patriots to make it back to the Super Bowl. They'd have to beat Jacksonville, and should they play Philadelphia? So that's a an interesting sidebar. To that, I will save my prediction for later on in the podcast. Um, but any other thoughts from the divisional round or any anything looking ahead to conference championship weekend? Pretty unforgettable Super Bowl with the Eagles and the Patriots. Was, yep. I believe yeah. uh, did, uh, Donovan McNabb threw up in that game. That's the the one thing I remember the uh, most. Uh, I think that was their third in four years. If they win now, it'd be would be their third in four years. So uh, two two separate two separate deals where they win three three titles in four years, and and the next one's probably going to be their last one. Yep. Of of the deal. So I hope I hope it's the Vikings. If it's them, I'll head up there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and see what the fuck this thing's all about. If it's not, then I I have no interest. Uh, if it's the Eagles, I have no interest in that. And every time they have, every time the Patriots have been in the Super Bowl, I've wanted them to win. And even the two that I weren't uh, that uh, the one I wasn't alive for, they played the Bears. I'm sure I would have wanted them to beat the Bears. I wanted them to beat the Packers. I wanted them to beat the Rams, the Panthers. Maybe the Panthers are maybe the only one I wanted the other team to win, but maybe not. Man, Mushin Muhammad, Jake DeLome, and uh, Steve Smith. Sure as hell didn't want uh, the Eagles to win. Uh, sure as hell didn't want Seattle to win. Uh, who else was there? Patriots uh, and Giants. Sure as fuck didn't want the Giants to win. <laughs> Either time? Uh, fuck no. How about the Falcons? And, Did you want uh, the Falcons to win last year? Fuck no. <laughs> Why not? Just another team. Just another team that's never won it. So the Vikings will be the last. Every every team will have won it, except one. And I wonder what that one game will be. The Browns. That'll be the Vikings. Oh, stop it! Stop being a hater! Stop being a hater! Well, I mean, again, phenomenal. 
and I get, you know, we're talking about the Saints-Vikings game, and, you know, maybe it's not the greatest NFL playoff game of all time. Certainly the final, you know, three or five minutes, the best of all time. And I get that, you know, for it to be a great game, it you can't have it lopsided one way and then lopsided the other way, you know, and have a, have a nice finish. But overall, I mean, that that's definitely the best ending of all time. It's way better. And I, I think that this, maybe... Only the, uh, the the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Patriots from a couple years ago, the Malcolm Butler interception on the one-yard line, that's probably one of the best games. That may be the best game that I've seen. Um, I won't put last year's Super Bowl on there. It was a great comeback, but it wasn't a, a great game at all. It was. What was the stat they said during the deal? Only team ever in the playoffs to come from down 17 points with seven minutes to go was New England last year. If the Saints would have won, they would have been the second team to do that. So it would have been the, if you want to put it that way, it would have been the worst, the best comeback, the worst collapse in the history of the playoffs. And they needed a miracle finish for that not to happen. And the thing is, the Vikings can play so much better. I think that's one thing, too, we have to take away. Uh, We know the Vikings are capable of playing better. And, you know, for them to be able to win that way, you, you would like it not to happen. But for it to go their way, knowing that, that they made as many mistakes as they did, I think that does set the, the table, set the scene a little bit more, knowing that, you know, they will come out and play. Hopefully, uh, they'll execute a little better. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, on that. Um, so Can't miss field goals, can't turn the ball over. Can't have blocked punts. No, no, you cannot. No, no, you cannot. By the way, they need to play. The, they need to play the best game they played all year. Yes. And then after, then if they win, then they got to play a better game than that to beat New England. Did you see the Saints fan throw his 65-inch TV over the railing? Yes. Phenomenal stuff. Uh, some of some of these things, like I saw the things that you saw, and. Why Why were they taping? I don't know. Good finish, I guess. I, I assume at least one of them has to be staged in a bunch of bullshit. Like, oh, all right, we'll, we'll rewind it here. And we'll get the, get the phone out. And Re- reenact it. And jump up and down. I mean, there, there has to be one of these. You see all these with the Cubs. And uh, the Red Sox and whoever the hell else have won. Yep. I mean, you, you would assume, I mean, something like that. I mean, that's. That's stupid. I mean, you know how I think the South is stupid because uh, facts facts show that they are. And uh, yeah, let's take a TV I probably spent a thousand dollars on and uh, throw it on my balcony into the parking lot. Just uh, boy, you know, boy, it's, uh, same? It's, 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 it's it's unsurprising how they vote in elections when you look at when you look at that. It's like, hmm, I wonder what party they vote for. You know, uh, Saints. Uh, Saints fans, I guess, were you know they were talking a lot of smack throughout the entire week. So I'm glad that the Vikings could shut uh, could shut them up. Uh, that that's great to see. You know, feel the misery of a heartbreaking defeat because it's not like the Saints didn't hand the Vikings a heartbreaking defeat. What you know, nine years ago now. So uh, let's. You see. know what? Uh, January 14th was Sunday, and the Vikings won. Yep. They also played a game January 14th of 2001, which they lost 41 nothing. 
on the 17th anniversary of that game, they won. They beat the Saints. So. Well, there we go. Uh, by the way, one of the tweets of the night came from Steve Gleason. Uh, you might recall Steve Gleason was the guy for the Saints who blocked the punt in the, the Superdome uh, reopening against the Falcons on Monday Night Football the year after Katrina hit. His, never uh, heard, heard did, about that. Did, never heard about that. No, I'm sure you didn't. He's got a statue out there. He does have Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease. He does have ALS. Uh, did you see the, the tweet that he sent out? I did not. Okay. It says, congratulations to the Vikings. I'm so in shock, I can't move. Very good. It's basically paralyzed for life. So, good for him. Whoever he had typed that out for him. Oh, he has, he has something that he, like, he just looks at a wow. screen and and does it. It. So, you can hardly move. What up? But that's the whole point. Uh, so, very funny. Not bad. Not um, bad. So, th- thank you, Steve Gleason, for that. And uh, just all over. I, I can't get enough of the coverage. I can't get enough of the videos. Uh, I'm soaking all this in here because it's, you know, pandemonium, euphoria, uh, just any any word that you can use to describe it. That that's what it is, and it's just. Absolutely freaking awesome. Uh, that's all I can say. Let, let's move on to some other topics, though. Um, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they stink uh, as of late. Their, and defense is the big, their defense is the biggest piece of shit. This side of the football team in that town. <laughs> Fuck this team. What a shitty fucking team. LeBron's not coming back. They can't stop shit for anything. They're old as fuck. I'm sure they're going to make the final Boston fucking rolls their ass in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, LeBron's good enough to, obviously he's not Jordan level because obviously Jordan's teams in his prime never fucking lose 7 to 9, 8 to 10. You have up 110 goddamn points in a game. Right. Per game. But you know, yeah, LeBron go to the finals eight years and lose uh, 75% of them. Oh, well, I'm sure, I mean, if they play Golden State, I think Golden State sweeps them because they're. In, oh yeah. I mean, they own they own their ass. What they've won, well, they beat them in five last year. They swept them this year, but they're six and one. They own their ass. Yep. Six and one. Uh, it's not good. Nope, yeah. it isn't. Uh, the Timberwolves are playing well. That's nice to see. Um, making some headway. They're they're getting some separation there in the Northwest Division. So. That's cool to see. Good job by the Timberwolves there. Uh, baseball, a couple of huge trades. Hold yeah, the fuck up. Hold the fuck up there. Oh. Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah. We're six back. They were, what, 3 and 20? Yep. They got Zach Levine back. Chris Dunn's a good player. Markinen's a good player. Miritich, good player. Got some guard named Holiday who's well. I'm not saying they're making the playoffs, but holy Christ, what yeah, a you know what they what a turnaround for this team. Yes, yes, from and looking the, like one of the worst teams in the East or the worst team in the East to now having a decent shot at the playoffs. A phenomenal job by Fred Horberg. Good job by Fred. Uh, two huge baseball. We just talked last week about yeah, you know, where you know why aren't there any baseball moves happening? And sure. And then we get two blockbuster deals, essentially. Uh, the first one, 
Uh, both involve the Pittsburgh Pirates. So if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, like um, oh the God, who who's that? The Doc Emmerich is. Um, I'm sorry for you because Garrett Cole got shipped to the Astros. Uh, it seemed like the the Astros got some, or the the Pirates got some decent players in return. Is that correct? Have to look at it closer. Let's, let's see here. Three, three prospects. Uh, I think they got they got uh yeah a five well, player Joe, deal. It's a they got Joe Mus they got Joe Musgrove who is a uh, he's not a minor league guy he's a major league guy he's kind of a between back and forth between bullpen and uh, bullpen and starter. Um. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He probably, I mean, they're breaking it down there. So he'll be, uh, I'm sure he'll be in their starting rotation. Doesn't look like they gave up anybody huge as far as uh, no, they, big prospects. One, one guy like Derek Fisher's a guy who's like, uh, who's been in the majors. He's like a prospect who's at time in the majors. They didn't have to give him up. So they gave up uh, some guy named Colin, whoever the fuck. He doesn't look like anything Colin Moran. Special. Yeah, not yeah. They didn't give up. Yeah, they didn't give up any. I think they they win this trade. Yeah, J- Jason Martin. Uh, n- no, thank you. Looks like a yeah. I mean they they gave up just a bunch of guys. I mean, Garrett Cole is really good. Yep. I mean, you got Verlander one, Teichel two, him three. If McCullers is your four, fuck. If McCullers is on the Twins, he'd probably be your one or two. So Yankees, Yankees are building with the bats. Astros are building with the pitching. That should be a fun little deal. And then the face of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Andrew McCutcheon, gets traded to the Giants. A, uh, a stunning deal, really. I mean, there was talk about McCutcheon getting traded last year. Ultimately, nothing came about that. Um, and I, I don't know about this. This seems like, like Kyle Crick. Is this any – like he's a right-handed pitcher. All, like What are the Pirates doing? They're just getting pitchers. A minor league outfielder, Brian Reynolds, and $500,000 in international signing bonus allocation. They basically shipped away their MVP for a bag of peanuts and maybe a love seat. Is this understand? Is this what I'm understanding here? Yeah, the the deal is he only has one year left on his deal. So you're not going to get much if you're trading a guy with one year left on his contract. Well, they should have probably traded him last year, but he was he was awful last year. He was he was better this year. He was back. He wasn't. He'll never. I don't think he'll ever be what he used to be. He was he was better last year, and now again it was just one year too late for him. So they never they never got full value for him. So they yeah they did not get much, and uh, the Giants farm system isn't much to speak of. So yeah they uh, as far as getting value for him that would be that would be a no go. No go. So Giants had McCutcheon, Giants had Evan Longoria. Players that are on the downside of their career, uh, Giants got to win now because they're getting old quick yep. and they got a lot of money invested in this team. So it's not like uh, they can rebuild. Uh, they got a lot of money. Um, the NL West got a lot more intriguing. It was already interesting with Colorado and Arizona on the up mm-hmm. uh, upswing and now – the Giants doing a lot of stuff, so pretty pretty significant yeah, what's think, going on. 
I think they're going to sign another out. They're going to sign an outfielder too in free agency. Maybe Lorenzo Cain from Kansas City because they need a, they need another outfielder. Uh, college basketball. Well, it's... we got the, the Twins. The Twins are doing stuff. Oh, sure. You sound you sound hard as hell, Stack. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, honestly, the Twins right now. I I always look to see if they do something. Um, How dare you? But they're, they're dare. not necessarily on like the the priority list right now. I've been asking for years, for years to sign a relief pitcher. Sign a relief pitcher worth a shit, worth a damn, please. They did that. Uh, they made it official Monday. They signed Anderson Reed for two years, almost seventeen million. I'm, I'm very happy. This is the first time they've ever signed a free agent reliever from another team for more than one year. Well, first time good. they've ever they've ever done this. That's good. That's very good. So he's going to be uh, Fernando Rodney's your closer. He's 41, old as hell. And Addison Reed, uh, good pitcher. He's with Boston last year. Got traded from the Mets. Came up pretty big prospect with uh, the White Sox. He's 29 years old. He should be. Uh, a good picture for them. So I'm very much uh, happy with that. Uh, they're going to sign a starting pitcher. Just got to wait and see who that's going to be. Fingers crossed it's you, Darvish. Apparently you, Darvish, uh, he's doing his own reporting because uh, there was something out there that he was getting, what, like a seven-year, $186 million deal from the Yankees, and then you, Darvish, said, no, no, that's not right. Uh, he's still available. So twins, go out and sign him, please. Yankees, Astros in the mix. That would uh, Texas. That would be uh, that would make me very happy to have him be on the Twins. Uh, they're still in the mix. A month to go until spring train, and everybody's still out there. Yep. Well, just you know, we've gotten a couple big trades. We'll see what uh, see what transpires right here. With this luxury tax, there's really a pretty decent salary cap for it's like a hundred and. Pay some million or something for teams, and there's a pretty hefty tax if you are above that. So that, I think that works to the Twins' advantage because the Yankees are right up against that. Dodgers, Giants, all the other teams are pretty close to that. And the Twins, Twins don't have anybody under contract for next year. But that is good. That is good. College basketball, another week, another wild week with upsets. Uh, West Virginia, they shit the bed against Texas Tech. That was no good. Michigan State, they shit the bed against Michigan. That's no good. Uh, another topsy-turvy week in college basketball. It, it, again, it is impossible for me to figure out exactly who's the great team. Every time I want to try and get in all in on West Virginia, uh, they do something bad. Like it, They just fail to score. Uh, Jawan Carter looks like he's old as hell. Uh, I, I mean, he's a senior, but he looks like he's 40, so I don't know what the hell's going on there. But I, I do like West Virginia, but I'm all in with Oklahoma and Trey Young. He puts up 43 points again. Another, that's a sw- what, what, Kansas beat him? Jesus Christ, how the fuck did Kansas beat him? Good Lord. When? when Jesus it- Christ, just tonight. Fuck, they were up the whole damn, they were up 13 and a half times. Jesus Christ, West Virginia, Kansas. Not good, uh, man. Oh, I thought I thought we were talking about um, Texas 
Right. Oklahoma for a second there. Yeah, that. I mean, that's not good for West Virginia. You can't do that. I'm not sold on Kansas, that's for sure. Um, but let me tell you, I'm all in with Oklahoma. And Trey Young, he put up 43 in a 102-97 win over TCU. Uh, so I'm all in with that. And it's funny that it wasn't A&M like a top 10 team not too long ago in the yep. SEC, and they haven't won an SEC game, you know, conference game yet. So they're they're not going to make the NCAA tournament by the looks of it. This whole college yeah. basketball season is just absolutely nuts. I like it. I watched a lot of games last week. Uh, very excited to the game Saturday. Saturday was a great day. Yep. Uh, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff happened. I can look at what I saw here. A uh, game that nobody saw, which was very good, LaSalle and Duquesne on uh, NBC Sports Network went into triple overtime. Yeah, 1198, wasn't it? it was, uh, yeah, very good. Uh, by all rights, Duquesne should have lost that game. Uh, but they did not. Uh, what else did I like? Oklahoma TCU. That was a lot of points. Went in overtime. Um, Florida lost at Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah, better than that, Florida. Every time Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Iowa win, though, that's a that's a feather in the cap for SDSU. That is good. Uh, I think what Texas beat TCU on a Thursday or whenever it was uh, last week. The ugly uh, albino black kid missed the layup. They would have won the game. It, and uh, same kid, same it, kid made the layup to force overtime against Oklahoma. It was the same place, so so good for him. It's interesting. TCU, I think, is now what one and four in conference play, but their their losses yeah. are so close. Um, yeah. Obviously, you need to win some of these games in order to solidify your seeding and make sure you make the NCAA tournament. But I feel like th- these losses are so close that it's not they aren't in danger yeah. of missing the uh, tournament yeah. yet. But it it's getting there. It is getting there for sure. Um, can I interest you in a team that has not won a basketball game yet all year, men's or women's? Men and women's. There's uh, Texas Southern. Have they won yet? Uh, yep, Texas Southern's won, but you're in the right conference. I call of course. I mean, Christ. Uh, like Texas Southern's looking to like go 0-13 out of conference and get into the tournament. They should win the conference. I don't know what we go. Nope. Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley State. Uh, hopefully they go over for the season. Oh, sixty. Uh, that would that would be for both the men and the women. Both the men and the women have not won a game yet. If you go watch the Delta Devils, they are Owen thirty three, about to be Owen thirty four here because uh, Mississippi Valley State's about to lose to Southern in overtime. Tonight, so uh, it's a shame. Great uh, game, I saw. Great game, I saw. Uh, oh, not a great game, but a good game. North Carolina State won at home versus Clemson. Uh, North Carolina State was ahead by ten with a minute to go. They won by one point, so maybe do better. Yep. Uh, Clemson, Clemson missed a free throw with one second left to uh, to lose that game, so do better than that. You mentioned Michigan being Michigan State. Uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia. That was all right. Yep. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, hopefully they're not making the tournament. Nope. They beat Penn State. They needed that one. They yes, needed they that did. one bad. Uh, there's a lot going okay. on with the program. I think it, the, there's a lot of distractions going on right now. Don't rate people. Good advice there. 
Miami let one slip away Monday night. Should have beat Duke. Uh, Kansas State let one slip away against Kansas. Should have beat Kansas. Kansas yep. is not uh, not good. Our Butler squad, they are not uh, they're in danger of missing the tournament here and and Xavier had a bit of a rough week. So we need the we need our Xavier Musketeers to get going again. Xavier beat uh beat the shit out of Creighton 92-70. So that was good to see out of Xavier. Uh Carolina Notre Dame was a close game. Yes. Uh, Sarah, Florida State needed uh 101-90 to beat Syracuse in two overtimes. Uh what else was there? There was a game, what the fuck was, oh yeah, it was on FS1, it was Friday night, it was DePaul versus Providence, mm. dumbest game I've seen in a while, uh, DePaul was the, no, Providence was ahead, 10 points early, like 30 to 20, DePaul comes back, they're up by like a dozen, Providence comes back, in the last 10 minutes, they take like a 10-point lead. They end up winning by seven. It is 10 points here, 10 points there. Hit those games, 10 points each side, two, three times. That sucked. What also sucked is that they had the coaches mic'd up the entire game. They had them on camera the entire game. They did not take timeouts the entire game. Mm. Uh, it was very annoying. You had your guy, Ed Cooley. Yep. And then whoever the fuck the uh, Paul coach was, and just you know, coaches how they stand up all the time and they're yelling shit. You don't know what they're saying. It doesn't mean anything. The players can't hear them. The players don't give a shit. It is so it was as bad of a thing as I've ever seen. Uh, I watched too much. And, and VCU, they don't look like they're making the tournament. So it's a couple of staples here of the sports block uh, uh, on the danger of uh, of not making it. So that that would not be good. But, uh, I'm probably happy with my final four picks as I've ever been uh, halfway through a season. Who are your final four picks, if you don't mind my asking? Duke. Okay. Well, yeah. Yep. Wichita State. Okay. Xavier. Okay. And Cincinnati. Oh, you're still st- you're sticking with those four. Those are those are my four. Yes. Okay. All right. I feel I feel very good. There's no Michigan State. There's no Arizona. As I keep picking them, and they just, they're dog shit like last year. So, that's, and yeah, I mean, this year, yeah, we're, I think there's a lot of teams that can win because Kansas doesn't look very good. Uh, Duke doesn't play any defense. You can score a boatload of points on Duke. Uh, I think it's hopefully a deep tournament. I'm going to at Virginia. I hope, oh, I hope Virginia gets a one seed. I hope so badly they get a one seed. Because <laughs> if they do, I'm picking the eight or nine to beat them. And I don't, right I, I don't even trust Purdue. I, I, I know they're a good no. team, but I don't think that they're one of the top. They're not a one seed. And even West Virginia, they're, I mean, West Virginia is pretty good always. But yep. you can never trust West Virginia. So. No, you can't. A lot of teams, a lot of teams up there. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Keep watching. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep breaking down the season as we get inch closer and closer to march and hopefully sdsu continues to win a dominating performance by mike dom and company over denver uh close game against oral roberts but uh looking good so far for sdsu they got uh, what western illinois this week so uh, just the one game hey don't don't sleep on uh the women the women have dakota wesleyan from mitchell 
Oh, they play Tuesday night in AIA school. Um, Upset yeah. alert. Upset alert. Yeah, keep it keep it within 30, and I'll consider that a win. Are you going to Mike Is he going to score 3,000 points? There's about eight players, seven, eight, eight, eight players that have ever scored 3,000 points in Division One, and he's... If he doesn't do it, he's going to get very close. Yep. I, I think he will do it, and I hope he remains at SDSU to do that. I think he will. He'll be back next year. I hope so, too. Anything else before we say so long? Ah, that should be it. All right. Enjoy NFC Champ- or enjoy Championship Week. It's a great week to be a Vikings fan. We're going to have another couple of great weeks ahead of us, too, after they beat the Eagles. Hopefully they beat the Eagles. When they beat the Eagles. Skull. I've got it. Skull, skull indeed. I've got it 2010. I got it 13-10. Vikings have it with under two to go. In decent position to score something. And they turn it over. Ah, oh, that would be bad, but after that this, would be bad. But I mean, everything that we, everything that we thought was going to happen, happened yesterday. It, it, it happened. Everything. Yep. Miss field goal, walk punts, uh, interception, all of the shifts that could go wrong went wrong, but they still won. Yep. So, yep. Maybe, maybe they got all this shit out of the way. Last week, and hopefully, you know, I know they're they're still in shock, you know, you know, on Monday, right after the the win. But you got to get that focus on Philadelphia, and hopefully, it is there, and uh, that they'll they'll take care of business then. And um, hopefully, hopefully, they win the whole thing. Uh, and there's one person I think that's more important to this team than anybody else that they win it all. I think it's because of this guy more than more than anybody else. Hopefully. That comes in three weeks. Uh, oh, you're, you're, that's a tease for three weeks. Who do you think it is? Is it a player or a, is it a player, or coach, or GM? Somebody that's associated with the team. Hmm. Mm. Well, I, I would say like Harrison Smith has to be right up there. Uh, Rick Spielman, Adam Thielen, and the guy with one eye, one good eye, Mike Zimmer. I think it's uh, Mike Zimmer. He's a great coach. He is. He deserves the Super Bowl. He does. He's he's why. If there's if, if there's more, there's many reasons why they're good. But I think the most important reason why is he's the coach. Yep. Nope. I completely. He's changed the culture. He's changed this defense. Uh, it does sound like they are going to lose Pat Shermer to the Giants, which will suck. And then I think that means they have a. Big decision with Case Keenum, but I do hope they they do re-sign Case because I'm done with Teddy. I, I am. I like Teddy. He can be a backup. I want Case as my starter at least for one year. And then you can, unless you can somehow lure Drew Brees out of New Orleans. I mean, he said he's coming back. Uh, maybe you could get Kirk Cousins. But, uh... I, what about, what about, what about Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach? play quarterback yeah. Ah, yeah well we'll see about that by the way Matt Patricia looks like he's the new going to be the new coach at Detroit the New England defensive coordinator Josh McDaniels New England offensive coordinator most likely going to be head coach of the Colts so uh I wonder if there's a reason why the New England coaches are never good maybe because Bill Belichick rules the roost there maybe he's great and everybody else sucks so they just plug and play Good, good luck with your coaches. We'll see. Other that AFC South I is going to be loaded next year. 
Oh, Mike I Malarkey. Never... Mike Malarkey got uh, got canned today from Tennessee. He and the Titans mutually parted ways on Monday. That's right. They said they both wanted he wanted to quit and they wanted to fire him. I guess. So yep. said, All right, we'll uh, agree to agree there. And and Charlie has asked that I delete my Twitter account. That yep. won't happen, mm-hmm. but but uh. I, I had to do it. You you knew I had to do it. If someone was going to do it, it was going to be me that would make that awful joke. The malarkey and your Bud Light cans. I think Zimmer just, like, Zimmer likes Bridgewater. I mean, he's, of all the quarterbacks, would you say Bridgewater's the one that has the best chance of being there next year? Yes. Like, we know Bradford's not going to be there. Right. Bridgewater probably will be. Yep. Case Keenum is a 50-50. If he wins the Super Bowl, then yes, he's got to be back. I think even if he leads the team, I think he's got to be back regardless. I really do. Uh, But again, I'm a little concerned that his success is completely correlated to Pat Shermer. And so, you know, if if Shermer leaves, but if he leaves for the Giants, I don't think Keenum's going to go there. Um, I I still think you have to re-sign Keenum. Uh... It, he, you know, there's Zimmer. I, I know what he. I, I get it. We all like Teddy for what he's been through and able to come back. He, he's great. He was the, he was looking like he was going to be a franchise quarterback. Was going to take that next step. But Zimmer's blindly, you know, following. The, you know, he's a blind lover at this point, or you know, the blind allegiance to him. And I say that kind of loosely because Zimmer only has one good eye, or maybe he's got maybe that eye, other eye is getting better. I just think it. I. I, I, I just think it's, at some point you got to give respect to Keenum because there's no way the season would have gone the way it did had it not been for Case Keenum. I mean, just playing the way he did. And I don't have any indication that Teddy Bridgewater can get back to that point. So I will go we, with... I mean, we don't know yet. I mean, we don't know yet. We, we, gotta, we don't, I, but... I'm, that, willing, to, that's I'm what, willing to give him the chance to play and see what he has. But that's why I, I mean, want Keenum... 26? 26? Who, Keenum or I mean, you can't, Teddy? You can't go into... Bridgewater's like 26, Kate Keenum's like 29, 30. You can't go into the season with Bridgewater as your as your starter. Just have to play, and if he, you know, preseason he does well, maybe he gets it, but uh, if you sign Keenum and he does what he did last year, this coming year, then fuck, they're in good shape. But if he goes back to the way he was, then you got Bridgewater there to, I, to pick up the piece. So you know, we, I, we will, we will. Yeah, I, I, you know, if if he gets him to the Super Bowl, you have to re-sign him. If they win the Super Bowl, you absolutely have to re-sign him. Losing the NFC Championship game, it's very much up in the air. But I would sign him to like a four-year, forty-five, fifty million dollar deal. Include a bunch of you know signing bonus just because of what he did, especially if he wins the Super Bowl. I'd rather overpay a little bit to keep Keenum, not sacrificing the entire salary cap room that they have, but hell, it, get the, stay with the guy that got you there. Uh, the funny he, thing is, Vikings have the three best quarterbacks left in the NFC. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, you know what, though? Nick Foles just threw 27 touchdowns a few years ago. That's right. Bradford's better. Bridgewater's better. Keenum's better than Nick Foles. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And, hope- and uh, uh, I think next uh, offensive coordinator is going to be a quarterback's coach. He's been there 12 years. His name's Kevin Stefanski. I think he will be the next offensive coordinator. Well, as long as uh, as long as long things 
stay somewhat the same, that would be great. Uh, speaking of staying the same, the Vikings keep staying the same and winning games. Skull Vikings. Uh, Krenz, I know you'll be watching intently on Sunday, 5.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Uh, enjoy the game. Skull Vikings. And I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Win one for Keith Jackson. Yes. One, one for Keith. Yeah, we didn't even get to that. He died on Friday. Yo, someone, no, 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 Keith Jackson, uh, Oklahoma Boomers owners. Logan, Oklahoma Boomers owners. The only game ever did. I did all the Oklahoma games. Oklahoma Boomers He even went to Soviet Russia and uh, did something for the Olympics. So, great stuff there. Great stuff. Indeed. All right. We'll see you later. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, again, uh, talk about the division around. It, Eagles beat the Falcons 15-10. Falcons had a chance at the end, didn't do it. Uh, the, the Patriots steamrolled the Titans after spotting the Titans a seven nothing lead. Uh, the the uh, you know then the, the Jaguars shock the world by beating the the Steelers. Oh no, they they just shocked the football world by beating the Steelers. The Vikings shocked the world with that final play against the Saints, 29-24. They beat New Orleans, sending New Orleans to the end of their season. Oh what a shame! Oh that's just oh boo frickity who. So that sucks, New Orleans. Sean Payton gave a choke sign to what to Devontae Freeman and a game against you know between the Saints and the Falcons in earlier in December in Atlanta, mocking the Vikings fans with that skull chant. To hell with you, Sean Payton. To hell with you. Uh so NS, uh, so championship game week. Jacksonville at New England, 3.05 p.m. Eastern, 2.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. I, I like the moxie and the confidence that Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey have for the Jaguars. Blake Bortles is playing better. You know, he played better last week. I he, he just can't bet against New England. I will take New England narrowly, but I think Jacksonville, if, if their defense rises up to the occasion again, I think, uh, I think they're going to make things quite interesting. And then... 6.40 p.m. Eastern, 5.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox. It is the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. Vikings right now, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Still waiting here on Sendejo. I doubt Shamar Stephens going to play. Defense has to play better. The weather sounds like it's going to be good. Offense has to play better. I'll take the Vikings. I'm a little scared of this one, but uh, not nearly as scared as I was last week when uh, when the Saints were coming to town. So should be a wonderful day. Uh, I think the Vikings are they see after that it just seems like destiny. And we'll end the podcast with a couple of of calls. We'll we'll do we'll play the calls again because why not? It's just the right thing to do. It's the fun thing to do. Uh, you can always find this podcast available online on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also uh, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. Otherwise on Facebook Nathan Stacken. Have a link to the podcast posted um, later part of the week. Norm- normally, this last week, a little later. So my apologies for that. Um, I've been retweeting and liking a lot of Viking stuff. So my apologies to the to the Twitter followers out there. But here we go. Uh, let's just say it like it is. Here are some of the calls from Sunday. The Minneapolis Miracle 
Vikings win 29-24. Let's take a listen here on the Sports Block Podcast. Where Keenum's going to try to work the ball in the boundary. Keenum steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! run out of bounds or run yep. it off the back of the end zone. I mean, yep. wow, just a big, big mistake. Uh, you just got to be able to, you got to take advantage of it when they do that kind of stuff. Ten seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No way. each other. They're trying to climb into the box box to hug us all. Nobody can find Stephon Diggs. He ran into the tunnel. Unbelievable, Paul. Are you kidding me? They run the deep ball route. Stephon Diggs goes up and Marcus Williams, the rookie, tries to jump over the back of him to break up the throw. The ball is caught. And Diggs is able to take it into the end zone. Look at the Vikings so coaches. This is to just the right an absolute yes! mistake. Yes! yes! Are you kidding me? Look at these Vikings coaches. Yes! Let's oh. go to Philadelphia. Paul, when it's your year, it's your year. That's all I got to say. Stephon Let's go Diggs, to Philadelphia. what an unbelievable play. It's going to be 48 and Grizzly. And we're bringing a purple rain. Oh, well, we'll try and get one more here just to, just to rub it in Saints fans a little more here. Here's the Saints call. Uh, get that pulled up here. Saints radio. I mean, it, this was just, this was quite uh, humorous as well. So here it is. The, the Saints, their call. Uh, well, it's, it's coming here. Apparently, Deuce McAllister is their play-by-play uh, -play -play guy. It's interesting. Here's here's the little call. Here's the listen to. Uh, we'll send. We'll leave you on this here. Uh, go Vikings! Skull! Skull! Skull Vikings! Let's win this game. The entire state, the entire region, loving what's going on here. Let's take a listen and feel the heartbreak of the Saints. And, uh, what, what it was was uh, Dave Yamada kind of taps, kind of bumps the guy off that was blocking uh, Sheldon Rankins, and he takes a big-time, big-time hit on uh, Case Keenum. Fence coverage again. Third and ten from the Viking 39. Precious seconds left on the clock. 
The Vikings need a completion and an apparent field goal attempt. Here's Keenan, dropping, looking, throwing near sideline, and it's caught by Stephon Diggs. He's going to take it inside the 15, 10, 5, touchdown on the final play of this game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He could have came up and just tackled him. He stuck, put his head down, and he didn't step out of bounds then. They're going to review it, but he didn't step out of bounds. Okay, that's the Saints radio call. Uh, what, WWL, I think? Anyway, um, that's a shame. That That's just too bad. Um, but yeah, Vikings win. Tremendous. And we thank you for listening to this week's edition. Oh, what, what the hell? Why not play it again? Here's Paul Allen, courtesy of KFAN 100.3. Wow, just a big, big mistake. Run out of bounds or run it out the back of the end zone. I mean, wow, just a big, big mistake. Uh, You just got to be able to, you got to take advantage of it when they do that kind of stuff. 10 seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No. 10. Brings chills to you, doesn't it? Skull Vikings indeed. What a game. We'll be talking about that for years and years and years to come. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Please join us again next week. We recap the championship games. Brief look ahead to the Super Bowl. Talk about whatever else is on there. Maybe the return of Jeff Floyd II. Maybe. Hopefully. Talk to you next week here at Sports Block Podcast. Uh, Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening. Skull Vikings! Skull! Skull! Talk to you next week, Sports Block Podcasts.